Many times we know there's something wrong in our relationship, but we're not for sure if it rises to the level of too much. Well, today I'm so excited I'm being joined with a special guest, Kate Anthony. Kate is the host of the critically acclaimed podcast called The Divorce Survival Guide Podcast and a creator of an online coaching program, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Thank you for joining me on Breaking Free from Narcissistic Abuse. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Kerr-McAvoy, a mental health specialist with over 20 years of counseling experience. Each week, I will take a vulnerable look at the nitty-gritty details of narcissistic abuse, at the underlying dynamics that make these relationships so challenging. This is a listener-supported podcast, so thank you for considering becoming a sponsor for less than the cost of a cup of coffee. So Kate's joining to help us walk through how to make that mental shift when exiting a toxic relationship so that we can become our own best advocate. She's a certified domestic violence advocate and a high-conflict divorce coach with a new book out called The D Word, Making the Ultimate Decision About Your Marriage, which is amazing. One of the things, Kate, that you did in the book that surprised me, because I anticipated this to be a book for the general public who's going through a divorce, but you specifically targeted towards high-conflict divorce. You don't come out and say that in the title, but this is really a description (laughs) of what happens when you're in an emotionally abusive or less than safe relationship and how to manage this in a very careful way. First of all, what made you think of taking that direction on this? In my years of working with women and holding space for women on the internet, you know, this is more prevalent than I really ever thought it would be. Really, the book is about making a decision, right? Making the Mm -hmm. ultimate, it's the D word, making the ultimate decision about your marriage. As you're going through the decision making process, I think women are sort of asking this question, should I stay or should I go? Because they feel that something is off, right? They are feeling that cognitive dissonance. They haven't yet identified it. They don't know what it is. So I try in the book to help them identify what might be feeling off in their relationships because so many of these women are in abusive relationships and they don't even know it. That one in one in five. Yeah. One in five people are predatory. So, so many of these women are, are in these predatory relationships. And I, I don't know what the studies on your end, because you've definitely done more sort of clinical research about these things. But my estimation is that more of them are men than women because of the societal way, the way that we raise men and boys to, you know, under a patriarchy to be entitled to, <laughs> to our labor our emotions, our all of the, all of the things, right? right? So to help women identify it, and then because we, I don't want women to feel blindsided by what happens on the other side, because so often we think, well, I'm out. So like, whew, that was you know, whew, that was close. Yeah. But then to understand how post separation abuse works and how people can use the court systems, custody, your children, all of those things to continue to perpetuate the abuse because they feel entitled to abuse us. Just because you've taken away one mechanism doesn't mean they're going to stop. In fact, you may have just handed them a better mechanism. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Exactly. A A more destructive mechanism in the court system or using your kids. Right. Right. 
So you, and you start, you're right. You start the book on how to identify if something's going wrong. What do you think is the biggest obstacle to people realizing this relationship is certainly not healthy, but maybe even destructive? What do you think gets in the way of, I know for me, I agonized on that decision for more than a year. From the moment I realized that I got in a relationship with somebody that had lied to me, I sat for two years agonizing if I should leave. And I, I struggled to actually do any active effort towards that direction. So when you look at your audience and your podcast, or when you talk to women, what do you find gets in the way of whether man or woman thinking that maybe they need to consider not being in this relationship? I think there's so many things. I think primarily it's like it it doesn't add, it, it is that cognitive dissonance. It is the it is how it conflicts with our belief of the world that we believe that all people are good. We don't understand until you've been in a relationship with someone and, and are on the other side, until you've mm-hmm. gotten to the other side and can see clearly in hindsight what happened, you have no comprehension that people would function in the way that these people function. Yes. Um, right. And so it doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't compute. Like I feel lost and confused and alone and I feel like I'm always to blame and I feel like I'm going crazy. So that must be me because it doesn't compute that somebody else would be trying to make me feel that way or right. making me feel that right. It, it doesn't, it doesn't add up. I don't understand. That's the, the trick is that, but you're not, you don't understand it until you get to, until you're standing on the other side and then you have hindsight. You go, Oh my God. Oh, wow. Did you have that experience of getting in the other side and then looking at it more objectively and think, holy shit, what really? I mean, I felt so much shame when I started seeing the the truth, when I could see through the deception, because I was lied to a lot. So I've been divorced for 15 years. We have an 18-year-old. So we have had to stay connected in a number of ways. And it it was a slow burn over 15 years of actually realizing what had happened to the point actually Mm. that it wasn't until after 2021 that I kind of got the full the full picture it took that long what happened it gave you that he did it again (laughs) so his second marriage blew up in like colossal fashion and it was revealed that you know the level of infidelity the sex addiction the love addiction, all like the the full pathology was really laid bare mm-hmm. that I didn't have access mm-hmm. to because, you know, when we were still married, we didn't have iMessaging. So we didn't have messages coming up on like iPads, you know, mm-hmm. that weren't meant to be seen, those sorts of things. Right. So yes. we didn't have Instagram and Facebook and and being able to check DMs and like when things don't add up and having things come across your laptop screen when you're like doing whatever that unfortunately his second wife did had all of this stuff happen. And as it was happening to her, it was mm-hmm. revealing to me everything that it was, it was validating and underscoring everything that I had gone through and answering questions that I still yeah. hadn't quite answered. Mm-hmm. Right. But it took that long. There were steps along the way. I'll tell you, there were many steps along the way. But I agonized for about four years. No, at least two. 
two to three. I, well, no, what's <laughs> maybe the whole ten? Um, because there were periods where I was like, I don't like this. Doesn't make the, I don't want, like this is terrible, right? I was begging people, like someone tell me what to do when I was getting married. I didn't want to get married, but like, well, I've invested mm. five years in this, and I'm and I was thirty two, and like, what you know now? What am I going to do? I want to have a baby, and I want to get married. It felt like a sunk cost fallacy. Well, I've invested this long, and. Later on, I learned that all of that questioning and all of that, like, things aren't adding up and I don't understand what's going on. It was years before I put the pieces together. And when I got divorced again, no Instagram. We didn't have these kinds of videos. We didn't have this level of education in 2009. We didn't, we didn't have names for this. And all I knew was that right. I was miserable. All I could say was, you criticize everything I do, everything I am. You hate me. Why do you want to be married to me? You hate me. And you criticize everything. This is what you'd say to him? Uh, yes, all the time. Because he was so okay. critical. And I would be like, but you say you love me, but you act like you hate me. And I would just try to convince him that, like, can't you stop? Stop criticizing. Like, if you I feel like I like you want me to be a robot that you can program. And I would yes. try to like logic and reason with him and say, like, but if you love me, you wouldn't do this. Right. Because I only saw my worldview, which is I'm in this for love, as opposed to understanding right. that he was in it for power and control. I got out without the understanding of what was happening. It was just like, I can't do this anymore. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Go to getthetea.com. They're my new sponsor. You are worth it. Their life change tea helps with gently cleansing your body every day. They have four kinds of tea, natural, peppermint, pomegranate, and plus sana. They also carry unique supplements that you won't find on a shelf at the store. Their newest supplement is Calm Tummy. They have pure cordyceps, cardiovascular support, healthy blood sugar support, as well as sea vegetables. Each one of their supplements is carefully designed to help you regulate your health. Go to getthetea.com today and see what you can find to better your life. That's getthetea.com. Enter code BREAKFREE for an extra 10% off your order. Don't take your health for granted. That's getthetea.com, code break free. What pushed you over the preposition? Yes. What pushed me over the edge was I had a moment. I had a moment where I thought, and I knew he was abusive, right? I, that word had, had come to, I didn't understand it, but I knew that this mm -hmm. was abusive. And I took to the internet and I said, you know, what is emotional abuse? And I was given very overt answers. He tells you you're a piece of shit. <laughs> he he says this, mm -hmm. this and this, right? None of which he said. So I was like, well, I guess, I guess it's not emotional abuse. I don't know. Because he's much more covert than that, because he's smarter than that. He's never going to say those kinds of things. <laughs> he's not. But it was one day when I realized that I had a three and a half year old little boy. And I realized that if we stayed in this dynamic, my son was going to become emotionally abusive and that he was going to choose mm. really codependent, meek women or women who I didn't understand at the time, right? But he was going to choose women like I had become, which was a shell of the person that I, that I am and that I was and that I was meant to be. And that was the moment, even though I had a therapist at the time, Saying like, no, 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 you got to stay together for your kids. It's much better for children to be in an intact household, even if it's unhappy, which is 
has been debunked. And that was the moment I was like, I, I have to leave for my son. Mm. He has no chance. Wow. I recently heard it's called breaking the shelf moment. You had a breaking the shelf moment. Like right. it's almost, we can have a lot of things stack up, even really big things, things that you'd think should break the shelf. Yep. Like when I found out my ex was cheating on me on the honeymoon, right. you'd think that would have broke the shelf. No, it's amazing. Sometimes it's these little subtle observations, like you saying, you know what? I don't want my son being like this. And if I stay here, this is who he's going to become. 100%. And he's going to pit people like me that I'm acting right now. It's amazing how it can just be that one too many things. That's right. And then we're done. We're out. That's right. Yeah. So what did you find to be most surprising about the process? Because I think this is where I see a lot of people get hurt or stunned. First, they make a couple errors. One of the think is when I get out, I'll get better because at least I'm getting out. That's so right. then I won't have to deal with all of this. So that's the one. And then often the person that they're starting to leave becomes sweet for a period of time and really confuses them. Mm-hmm. Like, let's oh, do it amicably. Time. I think we can like do this yeah, I know. Like, if, and I, I think there's a reason why that's happening. But I'd love <laughs> you to talk about this this dynamic of what happens when we start to leave. What what should we be prepared for that often we're not? Mm-hmm. I think that there are a number of things that can happen. And frankly, I think it's very difficult to be able to second guess, right? So in my case, mm. I had a very amicable divorce. My ex just sort of what was important to him was that he was going to be viewed as father of the year and ex-husband of the year. If he couldn't be husband of the year, he was going to definitely be ex-husband of the year and father of the year. So that worked in my favor. That worked for me. Mm-hmm. And but I, you know, I kind of feel it's like it's luck of the draw. And, you know, you can't yeah. you may not be able to predict this. I think you can yes. predict certain, in certain cases you can, like if there's a certain level of abuse, if it's been really bad and if it's been, there's been financial abuse, you can probably predict that this person is going to continue to financially abuse you through your divorce. And you would think, well, the court, it's very clear, it's 50-50 or, or whatever. There are still so many ways to manipulate the system. You really have to be prepared for. I would say the most important thing you can do is sort of prepare for the worst but don't create the worst. Mm. And this is a very tricky balance, right? So you're going to pre- you're going to prepare yourself for this to be bad <laughs> without creating it, without creating additional conflict. So the ways that you would create additional conflict is by let's say filing and having him served while he's walking down the street and and shocking him. Unless you are physically unsafe, in which case that is that is the, your way to do that. But you must do that in conjunction with a domestic violence shelter who's an advocate who's guiding you into, into creating a safety plan. But hiring a shark of an attorney off the bat, you are going to create conflict where it might not have existed. But the things that you should do that are prudent would be to consult an attorney so you know exactly what the laws are in your state so that when you have the conversation, and you tell them that you're done and they start making threats like I'm going to take the kids and you're going to get no money. You actually have knowledge and information that says that's actually not true. Like, don't don't make those threats to me. Mm-hmm. That's like mm-hmm. that's not how this works. If you really want to spend a hundred thousand dollars tr- trying to take me down, like that could be our kids college fund. Like, why are we going to do that? Right. So you want to have a consultation with an attorney so that you know what your rights are so that you don't get sucked into the vortex of their threats. You want to have gathered all of the financials and make sure that you have copies of every single 
financial statement, the last three months of every statement for every account that you know about. If there are accounts that you don't know about that maybe your name's not on, if there's mail coming in from banks that you don't know about, you can't open them because it's a federal offense to open someone else's mail, even if it's your spouse. But you can photograph it to prove that, like, apparently there's money in this place. So you want to set yourself up with as much information as possible so that when it begins, you actually know what's up. You know what the truth is. Mm -hmm. So when they start all of their tactics, you can sort of rest assured that it's not really how this works. I think there's this balance of get yourself as prepared as possible and don't stoke fires that are going to make them scared. That is so hard, though, because you're basically saying to the person, I know you've been injured. I know this person has really mistreated you, has failed to recognize you as a human being, and you have intense feelings about that. But this is not a time to act this out because all you're going to do is have more of that happen to you. Wow. So do you have some suggestions that people should do to be able to contain all of this this injury, this anger? Yes, absolutely. I mean, have have a good therapist who actually understands what this is, who has specialization in narcissistic abuse or whatever it is, a a therapist or a coach, a divorce coach like me, no, um, because I, right, I'm an expert in this or like you, Carrie, you're an expert in this. We can walk you through it. I have a program for women helping them through the divorce process because you want to be able to process as and do as much healing as possible on your own separate from this person. Right. So often we go to them to help us with our healing. Like, oh, my God, don't you realize what you did to me? That's like you're going to the hardware store for oranges. This is not going to happen. So such a powerful point. Right. We do. We do. We look for reassurance for them to validate the fact that we are okay. And yet this is a person has never good at reassuring. Don't you understand what you've done? Yes, they do. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. And so you want to get with as me- like, you know, women, in my opinion, like a collective of women is probably one of the most healing places that you can be guided by someone like me, someone like you, Carrie, who is an expert in this, who can help right. them like untangle this web that make like of of like whatever, like this muck that doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it doesn't compute. Right. And to help untangle it, I would prefer before you even begin the divorce process, because if you start the divorce process while you're still in it and you still have all of this rage and confusion, you're going to bring that into the divorce and it could cost tens of thousands of dollars more in the process, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. trying to get a little bit of clear and listen, sometimes you get that clarity and then you then the rage is is boiling over, yes. right? And yes, you deserve that and absolutely and that rage has no place in your divorce because the person it's going to hurt most is you or and or your children. Right? They're kind of impervious to it. 
The other, other thing that you said, and I think is something at least that it, I see happen a lot in the people that I talk to, is that they're not doing it. I love that you're suggesting this. Is To me, this is like revolutionary. Is That is, get a jump ahead. Mm. When you realize that you're going to be leaving, sure, you've been in a relationship with somebody who has essentially been in control of everything, and, or if they hadn't, they quickly took control. But for you to realize that you have to control this, and maybe you can't control how they react or what they do or don't do, but you can control it by getting good information ahead, knowing that you're going to need to contain yourself. See this like a game plan right. that you're, you're unfolding. Yes. I love that you're suggesting because we often end up getting into these situations and we look at this person and say, and please be nice to me in this process. What? Why would they? Why would they have they? more to lose than ever. That's because right. Because if they're already a very predatory, very aggressive mindset, they're going to look at that and like, well, that means I can take over and do it my way. This person's going to be hopping to what my demands instead of you going already in and with a, a very specific game plan. Yeah. I, I love that. It's a strategy mindset, right? Like once you make the mm -hmm. decision, it's shifting from how am I going to make this relationship work? And right, like what am I doing? When you, when you finally hit that wall, when you've got that shelf breaking moment, yeah. It's going, okay, now I've got to shift into strategy and really actually understanding how this now, how this works. Because divorcing a narcissistic abuser or any kind of abuser is something very, it, it, it's something else and it takes, it's going to take a strategy mindset or you're, or you're going to get taken down. And that's not to say that your strategy yes. mindset is going to you know, it, that's not the golden key to actually sh stopping and, and mitigating all post-separation abuse because they will find their ways. If they're hell-bent on it, they will. But the strategy mindset will at least protect your sanity because you understand now that, oh, this yeah. is a game. Yeah, it's often we end up being the tail the dog is wagging. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They do something, we react. They do something, we react. Right. And, and you're really suggesting, no, no, they're their own dog. Get your own dog. You That's know? right. Don't be the tail that they're wagging. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly. You, know, they, they, you, can't, you can't make them do what, they, what you want, but you at least can get ahead of it by you understanding that you don't have to let them enrage you and then sh let them have the gratification of knowing that they've upset you. You can be in charge of yourself and what you show, what you don't show, of your own strategies. I love that. That That's yeah. really the sh a shift, a big shift. Yeah. What other things do you find that people should really remember that they typically either don't know or they forget when they're in this process that you think is really important? Well, I think as you talked about before is how they might react. It's very predictable. It's very predictable. I've seen it over and over and over again. And if you know in advance that this is the playbook, then you won't be manipulated by it. Because that's the design. The design is manipulation. So the first thing they're going to do is be perfect. They're going to do everything right. They're going to be the nicest guy in the world. They're going to be the person that you've been chasing this whole time. And what yeah. that shows you, number one, is that they were actually capable of being this person all along. They simply chose not to be because they didn't, they had to be. And so what they're doing now is strategy. This is strategy. This is their next play in the game. Yes. Oh, you have yes. been wanting me to be this amazing guy. So my ex-husband said to me, two weeks after I said, I'm done. He said to me, Kate, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I, 
I just never thought you'd leave. I was like, wow. So you knew that you were abusive, right? I mean, right? Like, let that land. So you knew. Oh, Whoa. I know. It's still like layers of it. It's a slow land. Like It is a you slow mean, burn. You knew what I wanted, yeah. but you deliberately withheld it because you didn't think I'd do anything. Yeah, you about just it never this. thought I would leave. And as that sort of sunk in, I was like, I mean, talk about pathological. And so that's what they're saying, essentially, by being the great, you know, I have clients who's like, they wake up the next morning and all the dishes are done and the house is clean and all of the things that that have been broken in the house are sudden that they've been begging them to fix for months or now they're all fixed, (laughs) you know, like, and they're like, he's doing everything. Now he wants to go to therapy. Well, I mean, first of all, you don't go to therapy with an abuser, period, end of story, because it is, again, another tool to abuse you. So if they want to go to therapy now, great, they can go to their own therapy. If they want to know how to better be in relationship and not be an emotional abuser, great, they can go to their own therapy, but you should not be in it. It is just a tactic. And and the next thing that happens is when you don't respond, when you say, hey, listen, I'm, I love that you're going to therapy. I hope you get a lot out of it. I think that'll be important for you and for your growth as a human and as a father. I'm using gendered language, by the way, because I work with women. That's not to say that women are also not abusers. And I want to make that really clear to any men who might be listening. Right. But, you know, if so, to, so when you say, hey, honey, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're going to do that. That's great. We all need therapy. That's wonderful. But it's not changing my position. Usually the next shift is rage because it didn't work. Their mm. tactic didn't work. And so now yeah. they're going to get really, really angry and they're going to start raging all over the place. They're going to go through all the stages of grief, even though they're not designed for they were not designed for this process. You'll see them all sort of crop up. They'll get depressed, they'll lie on the couch, they'll be bereft, they don't know what to do without you and their family and they're losing, you know, it's very me, 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 me. And so, you know, the denial is the first, like doing everything right and then like pretending like we never had this conversation. Like if I just do everything right, then like maybe she won't notice and she'll forget about it. (laughs) Right, right. And it's just most important for people to understand that all of these things are tactics. And when the rage comes back around, because when each of these tactics don't work, the rage will come back. And when the rage comes back, you have to remember, like, that's what that's who you're dealing with. This is the emotional immaturity. This is somebody who doesn't have the um, emotional intelligence or capacity to be with loss, with big feelings or whatever it is. It is this emotional immaturity and then that's who they are you're doing this it's a hard realization but you're right it also in a way can give you the closure here that's a i think a lot of us don't see it that way but it really can give us the closure that we're making the right decision because we're seeing the worst of them the self that's defensive yes and we need to hold on to that and remember that this is not a safe person and this is why we need to get out that's right i love this this has been really rich how can people find you you, you mentioned you have a program. You have that new book out. Tell us where you're at, what we can take advantage of, like your resources. Thank you. Um, everything's on my website, which is kateanthony.com. Okay. The program is called Phoenix Rising. And 
I am at the Divorce Survival Guide on Instagram, and my podcast, which Carrie has uh, is a guest on, is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today, Kate. Thanks, this has been Carrie. really great. I super appreciate. It. Thank you so much. I I love talking to you. It's great. Well, that's a wrap for this week's episode. Are you following me on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube? Find me at Carrie McAvoy PhD. And whether you're in, consider leaving, or have left a narcissistic relationship, find community support at my Toxic Free Relationship Club. You can learn about this resource as well as others at CarrieMcAvoyPhD.com. And I'll see you back here next week. <laughs>